0: And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you, guys. Let's get on into the episode. Yeah, fighters. What's going on, everybody? Mike here. Episode 114 of the Life of Fighter podcast. And we're recording this on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there and moms-to-be. Obviously, we can't say how much we appreciate you. Wouldn't be where we are. All that good stuff. And without further ado, we're going to dive right into our podcast today. And before we go into it, so I guess without further ado is not really an accurate statement. I'm going to do a little to do. Um, I want to give you guys a little bit of background. John Blonjardo is going to be our guest for today, and this is actually one of my first training partners I was working with when I started at Red Boy Brazilian Jiu Jitsu on Long Island. And he was the guy that moved out to Las Vegas with me. He was the guy that was probably one of my main training partners for. The first half of my fight career and really just helped me grow as a martial artist, as a person, one of my best friends, and someone that has continuously just... Stuck with it and has gone through the ups and downs of the fight world just like many of us have and i'm excited to see that he's kind of refocused himself and we're gonna have to have him back on to go over a bunch of different topics and a bunch of different perspectives because you know we really just hit a fraction of what's going on and what his story is and all that good stuff Uh, as always thank you to our sponsors. Specifically, check out the life of a fighter shop. You can go to lifeofafighter.com forward slash shop. We have our fitness and nutrition vault that's up there. We're constantly, obviously, adding content to whether it's our old podcasts or fighter guides or nutrition and workout protocols. We're adding on there exclusive eBooks we got up there, um, our training packages. You can sign up for a premium membership as well. We're taking on more clients in Asheville now because I relocated here, so we have a little bit more attention there. And obviously, check out more of our sponsors below. And without now further do we're jumping right into 114 with juicy Johnny Blonjardo, undefeated at 4-0, title defending for Gladius fights the welterweight champ. Check him out.
1: All right, welcome everybody. Yeah, Johnny Coon. Thanks for taking the time, bro. Get a podcast on while you're driving. What's going on? Uh,
2: driving home from
1: Syracuse.
2: Go about an hour to get a uh, get some rolls in today. My, uh, my coach, the gym where my coach trains, got uh, a few black belts on the mat. So it's nice to get humbled, <laughs> couple, you know, every now and then.
1: Get a good ass kicking from time to time, or just get that definitely. And so that's like, you know, we have a bunch of different things we're going to talk about, or at least try to talk about. And most recently, you're coming off the title defense um, with Gladius fights. And you're, you're upstate New York. So this is something that I think is interesting. And, and depending on where you're based out of in the world, you might be able to relate to this a little more, a little bit less because a lot of, as much as MMA's grown in the popularity of it, um, fight gyms, Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, boxing, all that good stuff. Sometimes you can still go to areas like upstate New York, for example, or maybe in the Midwest or even, even here in like North Carolina and Astro, like there's actually a couple of gyms, but it's like the overall scene, depending on where you go may not be as huge or things be as close by so you know it's it's where you got to kind of put it together where like from your house even just to get to your gym how far is that distance not length but time like how how long does it take you to get there
2: about 40 minutes
1: yeah so you're spending and that's for the gym that's closest to you now then you're going to you're in syracuse or you went to syracuse today yeah i went to syracuse today that's
2: about an hour and a half
1: There you go. So you're looking at like three hours total drive time and then you're getting in maybe like an hour, two hours of training, right? So it's like you're almost in the car longer than you're training. So that's part of the sacrifice. That's why I think it's interesting life of a fighter and and some of the things that we talk about, it's, you have to put that in and when people say, and and like, so I want to give the people a little bit of a background on you, Johnny, because obviously we're very familiarized with each other. And I've mentioned you before in the podcast on different times, but we really haven't gone into too much of your history. Who you are, what the deal is, all that fun stuff. So, first, let's even start. Your name's not Johnny Kuhn. That's what I like to just call you. John Blondardo, the official, uh, let's say, name, or Juicy John Blondardo, or Juicy Johnny, depending on how you want to go about the fight promotion. So, let's talk a little bit about how you kind of got into fighting in the first place, and then we'll kind of try and speed it up to where we're at now and, and fill in the gaps along the way. So, you started with wrestling, right, in high school?
2: Oh, um, well, I mean, I did, uh, I did kiddie wrestling. Back in elementary school too, for a couple of years. So I was introduced to, to wrestling pretty early on. Um, did some wrestling in, in middle school, but uh, even even more uh, more than that, I grew up in a house with five guys, and uh, <laughs> you're constantly roughhousing here fighting. And, you know, you watch Star Wars where we're fighting did You watch a ninja movie and for the next week, we're out <laughs> outside beat each other up, doing flying kicks. So we were just, you know, roughhousing has always been something that's been a part of my life. It's always been how how I play it with my friends and my brothers. So that's
1: just always what I've done for fun. And um, that's that's awesome that you have because yeah, you, like it's obviously I've been in your house before, and and obviously the audience isn't gonna hundred percent understand. But if you could just imagine a house with five guys that's going to be in it and you're close to your brothers, you're going to mess around. You're going to be, you know, bouncing around doing all those different fun things. So you just, I feel like no matter what time you're coming into your house, someone's in and out, whether your brother's having their friend's over, you're having a friend's over or there's gaming going on or there's training going on. And now your brothers are getting more into it. Even like cousin Louie's getting into jujitsu from time to time. And like, it's it's kind of cool. Like, did you find that even when your family's not, let's say specifically training in jujitsu or wrestling or, Muay Thai or anything like that, you kind of already have built-in training partners there.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I don't live near them anymore, but you know that—that's how I grew up. Um, and then let's see, I did wrestling and in, in uh, middle school, and then I, uh, I did Taekwondo actually for a yeah, while. Taekwondo. And, yeah, yeah. It was that was my real first introduction to. Yeah, you know, more traditional martial arts. I I, I didn't think of wrestling as martial art back then. And
1: um... would you say I it remember, is now though?
2: Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's the most important martial art,
1: maybe. Yeah, wow, uh, I agree
2: with you on that. Yeah, I remember back then, uh, our first taekwondo class. Me and my little brothers all got signed up, and we we sat down and watched like an exhibition. They had the instructor and one of the other black just fistfight. It was white, kind much of sparring, but to me it looked like Matrix. You know, they were coming at it. I was blown away.
1: And I think it, it was that moment that I was hooked. I was like, wow, I have to learn how to do that. This is awesome. All right, so now take us from, we're going to speed ahead a little bit. We're going to jump over some things and we'll kind of go back and forth. So I kind of also want to talk about what's going on now. You got a lot of exciting stuff going on at the current moment. Right now, as far as the last rankings that I checked, you're the number eight ranked. Um, MMA fighter in the northeast region for amateurs, and you're part of this eight-man... Is it still an eight-man tournament, or did, did the amount of people get changed? It's still an eight-man tournament for the welterweight division?
2: Uh, it was an eight-man tournament. Obviously, a few people uh, are out now. Um, they're kind of staggered. It's almost like two four-man tournaments going on, you know, one fight separate from each other, so three people got three rounds. Three of the fights happened in uh, Last month, and so three people are out of the tournament now. Five of us left. Got to be one more fight. There'll be four of us left. I'll okay, the yeah. next
1: round. Have and fun. let's let's jump back a little. So we're gonna keep going back and forth. So with Gladius fights, that's the promotion that you're fighting with. You started with them. You had was it two or three amateur fights before you got your title fight?
2: Um, well, I had you know. I had boxing and kickboxing fights, but it was only, uh, you know, tons of, tons of jiu-jitsu competition, wrestling competition, but, uh, there was only two MMA fights that I had, if you don't include a, a smoker I did back when. Um, I only had two amateur MMA fights before they offered me a title fight. So, uh, my title fight was my third fight.
1: Right. So then and, you won that fight, and then you just recently defended your title. That brings you to 4-0. And and honestly, like I'm just talking about with Gladius fights because you've like you said you've had smokers, you've had kickboxing fights, you've had the boxing, you've had wrestling competitions, jiu-jitsu competitions, and honestly, as I get more into the martial arts world and as I get older, I start to kinda and and I've even from being back from Thailand and talking to other fighters, like doing Taekwondo tournaments and doing wrestling competitions, jiu-jitsu competitions, even if you can't say each individual match is a fight in and of itself, the same as an MMA fight would be. They're all experience bonuses that build you up. And I do count that towards my opinion, like, you know, not even just necessarily towards the record, but just towards towards your overall experience, like going through, even just one Naga gives you more experience than someone that's never competed before. Right.
2: Absolutely.
1: And then now going back to you and like, well, this is where we'll travel back now a little bit, going back to your high school age of, you know, you did Taekwondo and then. Talk to us a little bit about how you got back into wrestling uh, come high school. And then also being, you know, kind of back to the experience line, you were also on a bigger stage. And when I say bigger stage, like when you're wrestling in the counties or you're wrestling um, for a tournament or you're doing any of those things and you're under that single spotlight and now all the attention's on you. That helps you gain experience, you get comfortable in those kind of environments. Talk to us a little bit about now being in high school, how you got back into wrestling and where it started from there.
2: Um uh, you know, it was kinda it kinda just fell in my lap. I um I always enjoyed wrestling but I I didn't really like the uh the crowd that played most of the sports by school. I tried lacrosse one year, eighth grade and uh didn't really click with the with the guys so kinda of dropped school sports for a bit and then um I had some friends when I was in high school that they wanted to go out for the wrestling team. So, uh, so I was going to do it with some buddies. I
1: figured I'd give it another shot, and uh, I loved it. I loved it. And, like, and this is something that I obviously know about you and that, that I'll express to the people, is that you're a very competitive person and that you're obviously very not only intelligent, but, like, you, you're, you're you're an athletic person to, to a certain extent. And there's I think there's a spectrum of athleticism where it's, you could say, all right, you're athletically, like, gifted from a height standpoint and you can jump really high or the ability to move or the ability to think on your feet, all these different types of athleticism. To me, you strike it as the kind of person that in the moment you are like, that's where you're going to thrive. And I'm I'm curious, like, was it always that way? Like even in wrestling, like obviously you're not going to go into high school wrestling and just start kicking ass because kids have been doing it since they're five years old, consistently competing. What was that like for you, especially in your first season, where you're like, "All right, I'm I'm an athlete to an extent, but it's like I still have to learn all these things and kind of go back to what I did learn at some point." And what was that like getting into wrestling for the first season, especially?
2: Um, you know, when we we first started, I could I could tell I had a knack for it. The coach could tell I had a knack for it. He uh, put me in a varsity match for my very first match, and simultaneously in the next room there was. JV going on, and I lost my first match. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I don't, you know, I not been wrestling a couple of months, and uh, lost my first match. And he pulled me out and brought me over to the JV room, and he got me a JV match real quick because he wanted me to uh, wanted me to get some more experience in. And I won that won that second match, we in the same day, even though I was only supposed to have one that day. Um, so it was I got humbled. Real quick, right off the bat, lost my first match, and um, but I still came out with a, a victory. too. So that boost my boost myself self esteem a little bit. It was tough because I came in junior year, so a lot of the guys, um, you know, my age group were uh, had already been wrestling since they were they were little and wrestled straight through seven, eight years of experience. Uh, other than Pee wrestling and murals. I
1: was, I was yeah and that's something that like even if and this i had to learn kind of a, a hard way myself from doing a year of wrestling it's like even if you understand technically how to move your body you also have to understand the rules and the point system and how it all works out and the scoring of it and then also adding in weight cut to that and also adding in school and all those other factors so it's cool to see you, you jumping at a later point, but also stay, when I say stay with it, not just do it for one season, but then come back your senior season and then maybe see a little bit more improvement from that. And then kind of going from there. So talk to us a little bit about like, not just taking your high school wrestling, because then after high school, where did you like, so how we got from high school to then when I met you at Red Boy, let's fill in a little bit of a gap there, which was how old were you when you first went to Red Boy? Like twenty, twenty-one, somewhere in that range or 19, maybe 22?
2: Uh, probably just 19, maybe. Yeah, 19 years old. Red Bull was my first Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school, but uh, before that, I I trained uh, kickboxing for a year.
1: Oh, right. right. That, that's yeah. Ted husky Right. And so, Ken for those is, uh, that aren't initiated, break, break it down for who Ted husky is and Tommy Batone and that whole chain and family lineage and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, Tommy Batone is a uh, kick... A former kickboxing world champion, have uh, runs a gym on Long Island, AFC Kickboxing, and um, one of his top students, Ken Yuki, was a North American champion, and that, and he ran his own school. When I signed up with him, he was North American champion, and a couple months later, he won a world title in American style kickboxing, which is a little more like uh, full contact karate except you was strike to the head. You can't catch kicks. This no clinch work. And he was a tall, empty guy. He was a second three black belt in uh, Taekwondo, and you just couldn't get anywhere near him. And, uh, he won his, won his title fight for the world title. The guy actually didn't come out for the fifth round, I think. He just threw in the towel.
1: He's like, I'm done. No yeah, I hadn't
2: laid a glove on him, so I figured <laughs> what's the point. So I got a... Uh, Got lucky. My friends actually signed up for the gym first, and I wanted to shop around a bit. We both we all talked about starting kickboxing together to fight MMA. And um, they just signed up at a gym without me. I was busy one day. They went down and signed up, so I didn't have any choice in which gym I was going to, and we got pretty lucky. They made a good choice. I ended up being really a high-level striker. So I got a really good foundation there, and uh, fought for him four time sanctioned and then I did one in kickboxing and did one MMA smoker back then I was pretty much just a striker back then with a little bit of wrestling didn't know any submissions or anything to do at all
1: so we got so we got the stand up we got, and that's honestly like even if I'm making a fighter, I'll be honest with you. That's how I would want to make it, where they're going to have the wrestling background, regardless if it's a two-year pedigree or if it's a ten-year pedigree, or if you even just get one season in or just getting your drilling in, having the ability to decide if the seat's going if the fight's gonna stay on the seat or not, or at least have a a better advantage, being able to grapple from that standpoint. I think is a huge advantage that I would recommend any young fighters out there, anyone that's interested in fighting. Like, where do I start? And that's a question I see a lot, whether it's online or to us is start with your wrestling first or have it be one of the first things you're going to do because it can only help you. Even the, And then, Johnny, tell me what you think about this from a wrestler standpoint, transitioning to jiu-jitsu. Sometimes I do hear, like, yes, it's hard because you're used to not being on your back and not being comfortable there. But I'd rather take that, the wrestler that's not comfortable on his back, and then adapt it and try and work with him on getting comfortable there than having to start with a jiu-jitsu player that is getting comfortable pulling guard or playing from his back but has no takedowns and really can't stop the takedown. You know what I mean? Like I'd I'd rather take the wrestler in that situation, especially transition to MMA. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, you know, I think uh that oh wrestlers are at a disadvantage that bad habits they're not comfortable on their back. It's, it's kinda of be I mean, some somebody who never grappled before, they're not comfortable on their off their back either, you know, so everybody's <laughs> not comfortable off their back. Uh, but at least wrestlers know how to switch their heads to comfortable on top, they know how to hold you down, you know, it's
1: only an advantage. So yeah. <laughs> I agree so. with that. That's a really good way to put it actually. Alright, so we got we got that part of it. We understand our foundation. Now, at some point you come across Red Boy Jiu Jitsu. What what's what's the thought process there? Where do we thinking when you find it? Is it just for fun? Or are you still thinking, hey, you know, I want to compete with this, I do wanna eventually do something with it, or just kind of stumbled upon it?
2: Well, I went to King's Kickboxing telling him, hey, I want to compete in MMA, that's why I'm here, and he said, great, we could get you to do that, but this is a kickboxing gym, you have to fight a few kickboxing fights first. So I fought for kickboxing fights, had that MMA smoker, and I was supposed to, and I had an MMA fight actually scheduled the next month, and he uh, closed down the gym and moved it, and it was a little too far away, and the prices went up, and I, I couldn't do it. So um, I said, you know what? I have a striking background already. A couple blocks from where Kings originally was, it was a jujitsu school. So I went to the jujitsu school and I said, hey, listen, I've got a few fights. I want to fight MMA. I'm ready. I had a smoker. I had one scheduled. Um, let me fight MMA. And they said, that's great and all, but this is a jiu-jitsu school, so you have to do jujitsu for a while before we have your fight. And uh, that's what happened. I trained there started competing in Jitsu, two, three months in, uh, won my first tournament, uh, at Nava and won at Blue, um, uh, took second in Intermediate my second tournament, so I, uh, got a good start, just three, four months in, I had two tournaments, and I was, uh, I was there ready to compete with the plan of going into MMA, and, uh, kind of got stuck in that same trap that happened at the kickboxing school where they said sure we can have you fight mma but let's get your base in this first I, I i say it's trapped because i didn't end up fighting mma which is what i wanted to do but you know it was it was really good to build a, a strong base in brazilian Jiu-Jitsu first
1: exactly yeah you got your foundation that's something that i even remember when i was there was the belief was you before you're really going to have a fight and this was something that i think more i got from eric than i did from paul so we were really and honestly like looking back on it man like i I feel like we were really lucky and i try and stay in touch with as many as the guys that we've trained with consistently at red boy brazilian jiu-jitsu because paul rodriguez who was the owner of the gym was a purple belt um originally he was under um the Kyoto BJJ branch of jiu-jitsu, but then he also started working with, like, Joe Scarola and doing the Gracie jiu-jitsu from that side of it. Um So we had an opportunity to, like, kind of have fundamentals, which Kyoto BJJ was very well known for, like, basic fundamentals, conditioning that, just doing that same shit that, that you know was coming, but it's so tight and you didn't get it technically down that it's just going to work. And which was great to a certain extent, but then we also got really lucky with like Mikey Triangles, Mike Stanford, who's a black belt now for Alan Belcher um, that, that was just super dedicated and was really to me, even though he's a blue belt, like he was such a high level grappler to, to, from my eyes, especially at that point that I was like, dude, I don't care if you're a pro belt, blue belt, whatever it is, like I'm learning, I'm getting really good in the environment we created and all the guys would always show up and train. And like, now when we look back at it, we got you, me, Mike Stout, uh, Eric, you're asked, Eric, uh, Dave Delaroca, those are just six I can name off the top of my head that went on to fight and that also ended up winning titles or doing really well in either MMA or striking. Nick, yeah, uh, Generoso, he also got a title. Um, you know, like we had a bunch of dudes and even guys that were coming in and out, like Leon Green doing the boxing or Tad or Todd. I'm sorry, was it Tad or Todd? I'm, I'm so far now, I don't even remember anymore. That, yeah, it was that, Tad. Yeah, Todd, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we got. It was, it was. I think it was a combination of luck, the right time, the right place, that we had some really good guys to come down because, like, at the time, I don't think I really understood how, how awesome the training was. Now, looking back, I'm like, I've been a, around the block now. we, You know, you've moved to Vegas with me. That's a whole other podcast, a whole other story we could cover at some point that I do want to go into because, you know, without you, I probably wouldn't have went to Vegas. You were the person. I was like, hey, man, I'm thinking about moving to Vegas. You down? And you're like, dude, I'm fucking in. Let's do this. And it was, it was exactly what I needed to hear to get out there. And once we got out there, obviously, you know, you can plan as much as you want. Our cabs take different directions and we do different things. But it was, I think, a really good learning experience, not just for me, but hopefully for you and just have those life experiences and then we come back. And what I think is interesting and why I really like your story and sharing it with our audience is because, you know, I'm 30 at this point. You're you're not 20 anymore. Johnny, how are, are you – where are we at, 27, 28? 29. 29. Damn. I'm, I'm, yeah, you're, yeah, you're only younger than me. I forget. Um, so Exactly. 29. So we started at uh, 19. I started at 20, and it's pretty much 10 years later. And you know, I just recently went uh, made my pro debut in in Muay Thai. I didn't even do it in MMA. That was my initial goal for starting, but due to injuries and all these other things, I ended up changing my directions and how involved I got as a career. And now you're at the point where you're undefeated uh in MMA uh, as an amateur. You're a title holder. You defended your title. Now we're kind of looking to you know you're going to finish up this tournament. Um, it's 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 a maybe a longer path, and I know that you know we you want to go pro, and that's something me and you we talk about, and that's something that I'm I try and be very involved with your career and, and from the nutrition or the training or just kind of looking at the learning experiences we've had over the years and, and try and put it all together. Where do you find yourself now? What's your takeaway from like maybe you didn't it didn't happen as quickly as possible, but then what what are some of the the pros and cons of like all right now you're 29, you're you have more experienced, maybe you have more comfort there like share something with the audience of like what you could take away from it. Because some people might think, "Oh shit, I'm 25. I'm too old for this. What, what can I do?
2: Well, you know, I, um, I do regret not being as consistent as I could have been. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I come at training with a more mature outlook now. And I I'm actually learning more quickly than I did when I was younger. I might not be able to grind as hard or, you know, I don't recover as quick. Um, but I feel like my I'm, I'm way more technical and I'm not relying on those, those physical abilities. And that's the stuff that's going to take me into, uh, you know, a longer career. Um, I think also guys that are, you know, in their mid, maybe late 20s and think it's too too late to start. You know, a lot of the guys that, they say MMA fighters hit their peak at 32 around. And, um, but you still have some time in that regard, but also you got to remember a lot of those guys that are, you know, team old at 34, or 35, they've been taking punishment since they were 20 years old, maybe even younger. You know, they've been, they've been, they've been fighting and competing with their teenagers. They've taken a lot of damage throughout the years, So, um, in a way, you're actually at an advantage starting a little later in that you can uh, you can learn more quickly if you you know coming out of with a more mature mindset and you uh, you don't have all that abuse all those MMA miles on you. So uh, if you're gonna have a 10 year career, you might even be better off doing it from 25 to 35, you know, 15 to 25 kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's actually a really good point, the, the idea of the mileage and the wear and tear in your body and then the maturity level of your brain. And then also, I look at, like, just to extrapolate on that, the brain trauma that we can take, our brains are constantly going to be developing and growing and creating these synapses that are going to be working for the rest of our lives. And now it's believed up until not just 21, 22, upwards of 24, 25, even up to 28 is some studies and things that I've heard that our brains – and honestly, even beyond that, our brains still constantly – creating new connections and rewiring itself if we needed to but it's believed that up until 25 to 28 is where it's going to create these these deeper synapse connected um pathways and the more production of ddna all these other productions are going to be higher at that stage so not taking trauma not getting hit in the head may even be the better move and then also because you're balancing out you have you know you're engaged you have a fiance, you obviously you're looking to get married and have a house and a life and a career. So you have a, a full-time career that you also have been able to develop along that. And to me, I think there's two different kinds of outlooks on it and looking at it from the person that I was grinding at a younger age as a fighter, like I'm thinking back to when we were in Vegas and trying to scratch money together to get to do what we got to do. But then also looking at it like, okay, now we have career paths and I have something that funds me during the day that I don't have to stress about money. And then we can have the discipline as long as you still have that discipline to train afterwards. I think you can still get just as much growth because yes, you obviously, ideally it would be great if you could train two, three times a day with no work and nothing else to distract you. But the problem with that, especially in the beginning of an MMA career or any kind of fight career is the financial support that's going to be behind that. So not having to worry about that. I think a good kind of balance to it. And then also you're not going to necessarily be overtraining. You do have to be more disciplined with your time. And that's something we've even talked about. And I, I kind of wanted to get your a little bit of thoughts on that. And also now going in, because, you know, and again, we could talk for a long time, but I've been finding that, and I know you guys in the audience are kind of nailing that time of 15 to 30 minutes is our sweet spot. We're kind of getting upon that, so we're going to have to break this up into probably a couple of different episodes to get you back on and talk about more stuff. But because you have a fight coming up, you're still in the tournament, we we got a lot of cool stuff going on. You also have a grappling super fight coming up two weeks before your fight. I wanted to get your thoughts a little bit on, you know... Being in the top 10 in the Northeast, what your goals are, your next opponent coming up. Obviously, you don't have to. You're, to me, you don't seem like the big shit talker and all that fun stuff. But just, you know, what are you looking forward to? Where do we want to go? I know I kind of feel like I have some answers to this already, but I want to hear it from the horse's mouth and share it with the audience. So talk to us, Johnny. What's going down now with the next three months coming up? Uh,
2: next few months coming up, I mean, obviously, I got this, got this next title defense. I'm excited for this next opponent. It's uh. Should be a challenge, the big dude, a uh, strong power striker, explosive. Um, I haven't really decided yet how I want to go at it. I can challenge myself down on the feet with him. I can put him down and stop him like I have pretty much everybody else. But um, that'll, that'll be seen when I, on fight night. But uh, I'm pretty excited about that type, But what I'm really excited about is I've got a... Got some new strength conditioning regimens I'm working with, and uh, got your nutrition coaching, and I'm ready to make a drop down to lightweight. My last opponent was six three. I'm like five seven and a half, maybe. You know, this guy's this guy's five eleven and feels like a brick shit house. I'm ready to be the be the bigger guy in there. So after this fight, I have a tournament has a I got a buy round pretty much. So um so I get to drop down to lightweight for a fight and see how I feel a lightweight and that's probably, that's the way I'm gonna fight after all. So um just making that transition, defending my belt, dropping a lightweight, maybe fight for the belt there. Double champ like McGregor and uh that'll that'll leave me feeling comfortable in a good place to transition to the so, uh, I wanted to fight my first pro fight before I turned thirty, which is this August. I don't know if that's gonna happen, but it should be by the end of this year. That's
1: what I'm looking forward to. Bingo. And I think you said, and that was actually funny. It's funny that you said that. I was going to bring that up too. Like you're not a natural welterweight. And that's something that I wanted to share with everybody too. It it just kind of like got put off uh, all the other bits and pieces. You're fighting at welter right now. So you have a title, you win a title, you defend the title at welterweight. With these bigger guys and the guys you fought have been legitimate welterweights. And I think that's the best thing. That's kind of even what we've talked about. It's kind of part of the plan of getting you there. And then also when we make our transition, you use the amateur Experience and ranks to to try different things, whether it's trying different weight classes, trying different weight cut approaches, trying different strength conditioning, trying different skill set, um, and seeing where you fit. And also saying, hey, I'll, I can challenge myself because once you go pro, your record resets; it's not staying with you. We can look at it as maybe yes, we want to get the best record possible and all the accolades possible as a leveraging from a business standpoint to negotiate for a higher price, which is no surprise there. That's we take care of that on the back end. That's what I like looking at, but. As far as the, just from the fighter standpoint, I, I, and that's why I'm really excited about what you have coming up this summer and the goals that you have. Because you're definitely, regardless if it's going to be exactly right before your birthday or on your birthday, it'll be around that time frame. Uh, and that'll be a perfect spot. And then we'll have the next three years to go on a tear. And I say we a lot because, like, I really do. Since I've I've known you for 10 years, right, or, or going on eleven. And, and have seen the growth and like, I really do feel involved with not only with what you're doing, but also with you being involved with what I do for my fight career, my professional career with the Life of a Fighter and all the other things that we do. So, I, yeah, man, I'm you I'm on it. I'm really excited about that. I think that this next opponent is just another great opportunity to try and test different things and, and see what, what what gives from there. Cut down to lightweight we're going to do. Honestly, like, and anyone that sees you at at Welterweight when you watch the fight footage you know, you can see the height discrepancy that's going to be there. And then, but the ability to still use your skills and all those things. So all that's going to be freaking awesome. Um, I want to just finish it before we go. If you have any kind of like, again, guys, we're going to have to have Johnny back on because I know you guys want to hear more. I have way more stories to tell about Vegas, about coming back, about our training experiences, just talking about different stories and different people we've interacted with and like the different styles and how it's changed over the last 10 years. But Johnny, the platform viewers, do you have any like, kind of final words of wisdom, shout outs, if you want to get sponsors, the gym, some accolades, Gladius fight promotions, all that good stuff. Uh, I leave the stage to you, dude.
2: Um, yeah, I don't have much, but the only thing I do want to say is, uh, you know, you mentioned how there's some areas in the country that can be pretty uh, can be pretty dry when you're looking for martial arts training. And uh, my first move to upstate New York, I, I thought that was, that was the case here, but I got really lucky. I found a uh, UFC veteran, Tammy McCrory opened up a gym down in Binghamton and uh, it's a little bit of a ride, like we talked about, but I've been, I've been training under him and, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people in big cities and they're not training under people with six, seven fights in the UFC at the highest level, knockout mission, dude, just stud on the ground, he just set off, you know, standing up. And uh, I got Really lucky. I just seem to be getting, keep getting really lucky walking into walking into gyms that uh, are just what I need. So, perfect place for me to be as I transition into my MMA career from kickboxing, jujitsu, putting it all together. Got a guy who knows what he's doing. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Broome County Martial Arts and McCrary.
1: Boom. I like it, bro. And, honestly, since today is Mother's Day, I, I should have started off with this. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. You know, we we got to leave it with that. And then also, I'm going to just give everybody a warning now. In case you didn't know who Johnny is, Juicy Johnny Bonjardo, going to be a future UFC champ at lightweight. Maybe even go up to – what. that's another thing, too. I think it's cool to do this at your amateur level so you can kind of see what the different weight classes, sizes, and divisions are so that whenever you you get the runs done that, that you need to get done, sort of the lightweight division, we can say, all right, if we want to go up to welterweight, this is the kind of muscle we're going to have to put on. These are the kind of guys we're going to be dealing with um but everyone has been alerted and put on notice juicy johnny blongiardo not just in the northeast area but check him out worldwide We're gonna have fights on gladius we'll post some more stuff i got his social media below so click on that guys give him follows if you haven't already and yeah man i'm looking forward to the excitement of the end of middle to the end of 2018 for you and what's going to happen in 2019 i appreciate the time as always johnny kuhn and um yeah man all the awesome stuff. So we're going to cut it here and then I'll jump back on with
0: you. So I just wanted to say thank you guys again for watching, listening, consuming that episode. If you guys enjoyed it and you haven't already, please like, uh, please comment. If you haven't reviewed, please leave a review. If you haven't followed or subscribed, please do that as well. Again, it tremendously helps us out. And then just a quick reminder, if you guys want more resources, we have them below. We have our